you know, for, for years when I actually started making money, I was, I didn't understand the concept of money at all because I grew up without money. It was very much like it meant nothing in a weird way. It was like, well, I have this money, so I just spend this money. I didn't like understand the correlation of it, like moving to the future. Welcome to the very first episode of Dapper Dollars, where we answer your questions for personal finance and also how to look your best self. I'm Anir Bonbomik, and to my side I have... I'm George Anakwe. And we are your hosts for this show. So let's dive right into it. Start off the episode, George and I were actually brainstorming about how to start off our show. And we noticed that it's a bit taboo to talk about finance. And what we've noticed is... It can be a little of a sensitive topic. It's almost as taboo as talking about politics or even religion at work. Maybe not at that extreme, but it can be. I think for George and I, when we've been talking about personal finance, such as like budgeting and, and investing, it can be a little comfortable for us just because we come from a finance background. But I think it's a little bit sensitive towards others just because they're not too comfortable with talking about such a personal subject, even talking about how much maybe they have in their bank account. So. What I wanted to get into is how to break that barrier and how do we introduce that is by inviting our special guest for today, where they don't come from a conventional finance background, but uh, they're very comfortable to share that with us today at the, for, with our audience. So today, Dapper Dollars has the pleasure to introduce Katrina Nafasi and Juliet Siv. So thank you both for coming. Uh, you know, we're, we're so glad to have you on the show. Uh, it's been a process, but I just thank you for making the time to come have a conversation with us. Um, so Katrina, you are a filmmaker with over a decade of experience. Uh, basically, you moved from Arkansas to New York at 17. And that's, that's brave. Brilliant. Um, you've got a massive, massive um, following on TikTok. I mean, your videos are just brilliant and funny for him for him day so and also most importantly you uh you just landed your dream role uh with, with mythical entertainment so so congrats on that so just thank you for have, coming here to have a conversation with us and today we have juliet as well she is coming from uh the new york times she, i believe you're a research director for the games division uh which is awesome i love wordle um from before that you've uh you know, you had a lot of experience within human experience, uh, user experience within different industries, such as the healthcare, banking, autonomous vehicle. You also got your degrees and master's degree from UT Austin, go Longhorns. And uh, it sounds like you've also had a business outside of work, which you were working on your handmade uh, card business. Let's just start us off. I wanted to throw a fun question to you guys, but let's just say you won $10 million what would you do with that money? So I wanted to start off with you, Katrina. Oh, that's such a hard question. I think I would give, I'd give like a million away to my close friends and family because why not? They need it. <laughs> and then the rest, this is probably not good for a finance podcast, but whatever. The rest, um, I would probably open like a luxury dog sanctuary for like, um, dogs that don't have homes and hopefully use that other 9 million to sustain that company for a good 20 to 30 years without needing a lot of profit. 
I know that's really lame, but I just, I want, I want to give like homeless dogs like luxury living. Like I want them to have like spas and like TVs in their rooms and like just maybe daily massages and like therapy treatments. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. So that's what I would do at 10 million. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome answer. How about you, Juliet? Well, I have to say my partner loves dogs, so he would be thrilled to know that this exists in the world. So I hope you get your $10 million. Um, You know, I think for me, $10 million is almost impossible to actually comprehend. Like I, like that's such a sum that, you know, I, yeah, I don't even know what that means really. Um, But I think, you know, maybe an initial boring answer is I would put half away immediately, invest it, put it into some target funds, just pretend it doesn't exist. Um, Then I think I would probably split that half again and have half of it be fun money, you know, buy a place in Paris, probably in the South of France, New York, why not? Uh, And then, you know, give some to my, to my family as well. And then, you know, that other half, um, my, my brother has OCD. So I think I would give quite a bit of it to, you know, that kind of research and just helping people out, um, who, you know, struggle with OCD. Brilliant, brilliant answer. That, that is awesome. And just getting to hear you both share your perspective on how you want to actually handle that money. It just gives everyone that understanding that, Hey, you know, everyone has their needs and how to actually go and fall forward and forward and make things happen. So cool. Thank you so much. Nice. So it sounded like both of you had uh, two different answers. And I like that just because uh, one was like, yours was like, hey, let's give it back to charity, but also let's start a business with that. Like, right, Katrina. And then Juliet, yours was, hey, let's take that half so I can invest it long term. But then um, I'll still do something with like either probably providing it for research or like give it to family. So let's, let's start this, this, uh, conversation right here. So what does finance mean to you? I'll start with you, Julia. This is a, this is a tricky one, but I think really fundamentally for me, finance means freedom, you know, really at its base, it's understanding how to make money work for you in order to help you live the life that you want to live, which I think part of finance is also respecting that, that looks different for different people, right? That people value different things. And I think our answers here just showed, right, that there's different interests out there, but that finance means that freedom, right, for everyone to be able to invest and, you know, spend extravagantly on the things that they care about and then save in other areas where, you know, maybe they don't care so much for. Yeah, I actually was going to say the exact same thing. (laughs) Great minds, Um, great minds. Yeah, I, I, when I think of the word finance, I literally think like freedom or, you know, I don't, I I grew up very poor, um, you know, trailer park in Arkansas kind of vibes. (laughs) Um, But to me, I always grew up being like, I don't want that for myself. So having, knowing how much money I have at any given point in time is just freedom to me, whether that's a little bit or a lot, just knowing that I have something there as security. um, That's, that's what finance means to me, I think overall. Okay, perfect. So I just want to just unpack just what you um, said. Like, so the fact that you mentioned growing, growing, growing up poor, and what would you say? Would you say that has actually been a big um, factor for you looking to be successful in life too, as well? Yeah, I definitely think that was like a a driving force. It's you know when you're a kid, 
it's not that I expected a lot as a child, um, but you know, it was the, the little things like wanting to be in dance and have like the best shoes or wanting to take dance classes and not being able to afford that. It was like the little things my whole life just being like, when I'm an adult, I want to be able to take care of those things for myself. So now like, I don't have to think twice about being like, I want to take a dance class. I want to get this new subscription. I want these shoes. It was, yeah, it's a huge driving factor in my life because I, I knew I didn't want that for myself or my children growing up. Nice. Um, so now going into that, how do you perceive money now? Like it it seems like, like you said, there's a path of freedom, but then right when you get money, like how do you utilize that too? Yeah, I try, you know, for, for years when I actually started making money, I was, I didn't understand the concept of money at all because I grew up without money. It was very much like it meant nothing in a weird way. It was like, well, I have this money, so I just spend this money. I didn't like understand the correlation of it, like moving to the future. Um, but now I kind of try to make money not be like the end all be all. So it's very much like, you know, I have certain things that I want to do, right? And regardless of if I think something's too much money um, or not enough, or if I'm spending too much or too little, I try not to make that be like, my overall perception of money. So like if I want to do something expensive, I do that thing because I want to do it. And I just know in the back of my head, okay, next month I'm going to have to work twice as hard to replenish that money that I spent doing the thing that was probably a little bit too expensive. So I think it's very much like a give and take, go with the flow. That's kind of how I see it nowadays. How about you, Juliet? Yeah. I mean, I think money for me inherently is something that's very stressful right? It's something that can really make or break your situation, right? It's also something that can cost, that can cause you to second guess things, right? You like, one of the things that I've really had to learn is how to make sure that money doesn't create this constant dialogue of making me regret things, right? There's nothing worse than going to buy something or, you know, going or traveling or doing something and then just constantly thinking about, like, did I make the right choice? Did I have enough money for this? Did I, did I, did I, did I? And so I think, you know, there's, I had initially this perception of money as just being this stressful thing that you always had to keep a pulse on at all times. And part of the challenge for me, and I think for a lot of people is shifting that perception where you can be in control. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, one of the reasons that we're here today is just to break down this taboo around, around talking about money and realizing that, money doesn't actually have the control. You have the control and there are steps that you can take to make sure that, right, money's your friend and it gives you this freedom we were talking about rather than stressing you out and guilt tripping you and causing you to stop enjoying the things that, you know, it's intended to help you be able to do and enjoy. Awesome. Uh, I just wanted just to follow up with a quick question. So how has today's today's environment um, impacted that perception? Like, Mm. Are you more, are you more cautious? Are you like, so what are your thoughts with that now? I mean, I think part of that is having a system in place, right? So actually you have to think less about money and about knowing how the system works, right? You know, there's inflate, increased inflation, right? Which you have to consider for your budget and what that actually means, right? Being realistic about that, right? You can think about like how you wish things would be, but that's not going to help you. Uh, you know, you can, you know, go vote 
and things like that, but it's still right not going to change the immediate right now, which is things cost more. So being realistic about your budget, right? Food costs are going up, so you got a budget for it, right? And being realistic about that. Um, but then also, you know, I think seeing the stock market dip for me, it's knowing that I'm playing the long term, I'm playing the long game, and I'm looking to, you know, 20, 30 years from now. And just trusting in that and knowing, right, that, hey, you know what, maybe for the next three months, maybe for the next year, I'm actually not going to really go look at my investments because that's actually not what they're there for. They're there for, you know, 20 years from now. And so just knowing that I'm going to stay the course, but knowing that and having faith and trust in what you're doing and the process that you've set up, for me, at least in this environment, is really helpful, right, of knowing again that I have the control, not the market, not the money. Um, but, you know, it's psychologically right you have to retrain yourself from a lot of things that you've been told you know the stock market's crashing you should panic and it's like no i shouldn't panic like that's the wrong thing to do um, but it's hard right to have to reteach yourself those things and it's funny that you mentioned that because you're not coming from a conventional finance and like i think like both of us in business school from like our professors yeah. they've always said uh yeah like having that long term uh, and game plan but also they're big proponents of like markets that are efficient. So, you know, who, who was it that taught you something like that? Or did you kind of did a lot of reading? Uh, like what, what was it that make you learn that you're not emotionally invested right now, what we're at, what's happening, but you know that it's going to come out in the positive in the long run. Yeah, I, I did reading. I read, I looked things up. Um, you know, I just got to know, I, I think, you know, coming from a research background, that's inherently my, uh, my go-to is to figure out, right, where are my emotions coming from? Like, why am I feeling like this? And how do I, like, if I want to change it, what should I do to do that? And there are so many resources available, right? There's also bad resources available, which I also learned. Um, you know, you read things and people are like, oh, you should totally go invest in this one thing. And then you're like, wait a minute, like that also doesn't sound quite right. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of, you know, reading books, looking at things, right. Also just like being patient with myself of playing around with different things, like what actually works for me, because there's a lot of different types of techniques, right. For, um, for budgeting, for, you know, you have your 50, 20, 30 splits. You have all of these different ways of looking at money. And it's really thinking about what do I want, which is a great like self-reflection exercise, which is kind of what it started as for me. Is like, what do I want in five years and 10 years? And not being ashamed to plan for that, right? I, I think there's, um, you know, people are worried to plan for a wedding, for example, because they're like, how presumptuous of myself. Like, I'm not with anybody. I'm not engaged. Like, why would I plan for that? When really like that's, you're paying it forward to yourself. And so that's how, you know, as I was reading for things, I was looking at it from a perspective of which of these techniques are going to help me pay it forward best to myself. And that's what I let, you know, guide me towards where, where I am today. But it's not easy. It sounds easy in hindsight, but it's not when you have to discipline yourself and say, like, I want that, but I don't actually want that right now. I agree. I think I think the discipline is, is, is the hardest part, yeah. especially when you don't have the foundational understanding of it. Uh -huh. You know, it's hard to actually build it. Um, Katrina, do you, do you care to share a perspective as well? Yeah, so I am not in the stock market game, so I literally have no idea what's going on. <laughs> but as far as like my day to day as someone who 
what has been a freelancer for years. Obviously, I have a full-time job now, but I still freelance on the weekends because I like making money. Um, There's been a huge shift in my thought process for things just as far as like in the past, I would maybe take a job that was like two or $300 lower than what I would normally go for. But now I'm very persistent and I will not take jobs lower than what I my rate is because I know at the end of the day, it's going to end up costing me more money and losing more money by doing these jobs that aren't paying me what I feel like I should be paid. And I'm kind of like about it now, but it sucks because I have to be because things have to get paid and I have to feed myself and make sure my house doesn't like burn to the ground or something. So, you know, it's important. It's important to me to, to be a stickler with how much I get paid nowadays, which sucks because I hate being that person, but it's just the environment we're in right now. That answer right there. Um, I mean, you just kind of hit the home run of like valuing yourself, but also at the same time, how do you manage it in, in an environment like this? And I mean, I feel like I can uncover so much from that answer, but like even something of like a value, like what you just said right there is like, Hey, I value myself as this much. And so this is the rate I will be get paid or nothing more, uh, or not, sorry, nothing, nothing less. You always want nothing more. <laughs> I don't want more money. Stupid. <laughs> but, uh, like, so this goes to like, you know, when we're talking about, spending things and what you just said you consider yourself value as this much but like looking into purchasing maybe like designer products or like uh something that's like luxurious products and it's like high value and you kind of know what the cost is to like maybe produce a shirt maybe it's like 10 15 bucks but then like if you go to a luxury brand they'll charge like 300 bucks for like that one shirt right so you know now that you said that like of like hey i value myself by this, how do you perceive that kind of stuff when you're actually like looking into at the, at the shopping mall and then you see like a shirt that's like 300 bucks. Like, do you say like, you know what? I value that or maybe like, you know, I'm really curious about this. <laughs> that is a good question. I, I do. I, you know, I do value it. It's like the same thing with like, if I was to go to Amazon to get like, say like a, a potted plant, I'm really into plants. So say I go to Amazon to get a potted plant, I can get a, a base for a plant like for like 20 bucks on Amazon, right? But I love to go to Etsy because they have really unique handmade pieces that cost significantly more, sometimes like up to $300 for a pot, for a very simple pot, like a tiny little pot. But yeah, I I think there's lots of value in that. I also think, (laughs) uh, I don't know if there's value in like designer, I don't know how to phrase this. Like, I'm not a huge designer person, like designer bags, designer clothes. I like nice quality clothes, but I also feel like, like Balenciaga, they'll literally just have like a t-shirt for like $600. And I don't understand that mostly because I don't feel like the creativity outweighs what anyone else could make, if that makes sense. So I, I guess I base a lot of um, how people hike things up in price based off creativity, I guess is where I'm going with that, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> but do, I do value people that that know their worth, you know? There's a lot of really creative people that make things that other people have never made before, and I, I find that amazing, and I think they should get all of the money they deserve. I can't afford it a lot of the time, but <laughs> I love to look at it. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like there's a market for everything, right? Yeah. And because yeah. as a creator, you understand, like, 
like a simple shirt with a logo, like that's easy print screen, boom. And then you can charge whatever because of the brand value, but you understand the hard work. If it's like an intricate design or like that small pottery piece, it takes time and you respect the artist. Right. So that's a really good answer. also, Also another thing in regards to that, I just realized, I feel like it also is like how much more your status goes up with things like, say 10 years ago, I would go to Target and get like a $20 purse. And that felt like a really big purchase to me. Like spending $20 on a purse was like a big deal. Now, nowadays, I don't even like think about spending two or $300 on a purse. I'm like, oh, that's just where I'm at in my life. So it's interesting to me. I always think about that, you know, like Balenciaga, say that purse is $10,000. To somebody else, that might be just a, oh yeah, that's just the price I pay for a purse versus me, it's like 300 and 10,000 sounds absolutely insane. But it's it's an interesting perspective to think of as like 10,000 being like a casual price for an item, but it is what it is for some people. By the way, to the audience, uh, <laughs> this video is not sponsored by Balenciaga. I don't think they It is, it is. They're lying to you. I think, yeah, I think, yeah. And that, that is a perfect uh, segue to our next question. So basically, we still want to understand, I mean, you and both shared like different perspectives on money. So what are your money habits this, these days? Like, does it stop out? Like, do you track the stock market? Do you wake up and just check your um, checking account or your savings account every day? Um, I mean, I for me, it's on autopilot, which is like what I want, right? Is that I don't have to go look at anything. Uh, it's, you know... I know how much I'm getting paid. Everything is automated. So things go to my savings account, you know, various savings, emergency funds, things that I'm saving up for, you know, vacations, things like that. Part of it, you know, automatically going to my 401k, automatically going into my investment portfolios. And then I know how much I have for fixed expenses. And then I know how much is for fund money. And that's, that's it. It's automated. And I don't, you know, I go check in every now and then to make sure, you know, credit card statements aren't looking kind of crazy um, because you never know. And, but otherwise, right. Like, yeah, I just, and for me, that's, it feels like such a win that I wake up and I don't really have to think about it. Like what a privilege to just know that things are going where they need to go. I'm being set up for the future in the way that I want to be. I know how much I can spend. I know what I care to spend on, right? Like for me, you know, I don't care so much about, um, you know, like how my place really looks, right? I don't need like the nicest pillows or anything like that, but like, I really care about shoes. And so, you know, I like can, I know when I see a shoe that I like, I'm like, oh, I like that shoe. And that's it. Like if we've looked at each other and like, I know that heel's not gonna like twist my ankle, we are, I'm out of there with it. So, and that for me is just like, like, you know, again, like I said, what, what more could, could I ask for lipstick as well? if there's a lipstick I fall in love with, we're just like, let's go home. So yeah, but that's, that's, that's really it for me is it's, but again, that process took time, right. Of figuring out, like I mentioned, what matters, like how much should I put away into my savings? What am I saving for? Right. Like what, like, what do I want to be saving for? Um, making sure that my investments are set up in a way that I feel is secure that I don't have to, you know, constantly be checking up on. Right. I know that, 
I don't like want to constantly be rebalancing my portfolio myself. So I stick with target funds um, because it does it for me. Um, but those are all decisions, right, that I had to make in order to to get to this point. Before then, I was definitely one of those people who opened up my bank account and was like, how much is in here? Like, what what's happening in this place? Um, so yeah, I'm really glad to be here, but it's, it's a lot of work. Um, but autopilot is, I think, I hope that for everyone. Hey, if you've made it this far into this episode, George and I want to give you a big thank you. It means a lot to us that you find our content valuable. And it will mean the world to us if you can share this episode with your family and friends. That would help this episode and future episodes discovered by many others who find this as valuable as you did. Again, thank you. And let's get back to the episode. Yeah. And um, I'm glad you mentioned all this because for this show, that's kind of like what we also want to help our listeners do is how do you automate those? How do you figure out the percentage when you're coming in with a certain paycheck or whatever income? How do you look at that? And then how do you maximize that? Right. So I'm glad you mentioned that. So Katrina, do you, do you, is that your same, would you say that's like your same money habit or would it be a little tad bit different or? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely on autopilot now too, but that's probably been like a newer, probably the last like two years. Um, mostly again, cause I've always freelance and I just recently in the last few years have had like a full income, not full income, full time income. So it's, it's easier to be on autopilot with that. Um, just cause you always know the exact amount you're getting in, um, with freelance, you're like, could make this much this month and zero next month. Um, but yeah, I have the habit of, again, I don't have any investments or anything right now. Uh, my boyfriend does. So I just like, just let him do his thing. He'll give us millions later or something. I don't know. Um, but, um, I always just have the habit of, I break all my paychecks in half, half goes into savings, half goes into just my regular checking account. And then I kind of look at my checking as like, you can do whatever you want. Like, let's go girl. <laughs> kind of vibe. So like, I obviously pay bills with my checking account and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, I kind of just monthly, like my checking account is just like, whatever I want to spend that money on. I can spend all of it if I want. I usually don't, but if I wanted to, I can. And I try not to make myself feel guilty about that. And then my savings, I never, ever, ever touch. I've been growing my savings for like almost four years now. And honestly, I can't even tell you the last time I checked it. I just have the automatic thing where I take half of it out. Um, I even have the actual like tab in my bank of America for my savings account closed. So you can't actually, I don't actually see how much is in there. Cause it's kind of like a mental game for me of like, I pretend like that money doesn't exist. I put it in that account and I pretend like it doesn't exist. And it's kind of like my way. Cause I feel like if I think about it too much, I'd be like, well, I do have that extra income in there. I could throw at things. Um, so I like to like put it away and, and pretend like it's not there. And yeah, that's kind of how I how I go with the flow. And obviously I've learned a lot about credit cards, which has been really, really fun getting points and all that stuff. I really love credit cards now. So that's been, that's kind of like my thing right now. I want to jump in quickly and do an anti-sponsor ship just to <laughs> for, say, for, for bank of America and say that that oh, bank no. does not deserve your savings. Um, they have crappy, interest rates you want that high yield savings account go okay, get that where do I go? go to charles schwab go to wealthfront wealthfront has like oh. a 3.3 and like go okay. make that money work for you like 
Mm-mm, Bank of America does not deserve that savings account. No right, way, girl. Right. I was going to I was going to say that, but I just yeah. Go. <laughs> I had no idea actually. <laughs> toss it out of there. Mm-mm. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. And that's a good point. I mean, she yeah. like like Wealthfront, Betterment, those are like basically low overhead costs uh, banking institutions. Yeah. And so that way they can provide their customers like us with uh, a higher yield. So, yeah. yeah. I think I think I was just going to add, so, so there, there would be links in the uh, in the episode notes where we get to link up on just a high yield savings account that give you the best bang for, for, for your buck, basically. So. Awesome. Expect that. And then our, don't forget the Balenciaga sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Link in the description. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Use promo code Tabber Dollars. <laughs> Check out. <laughs> hey, um, Katrina, I wanted to ask you this question. Yeah. Um, you're like in the entertainment industry. We have might be having some listeners uh, that are in the entertainment industry. So, like being in the entertainment industry, and now you're um, Pretty much like you, you, you I, I like hearing about your financial story because like from your beginnings to like where you are now, it is a, such a great achievement that you've uh, gone through, um, especially like coming to se- like as 17, coming to New York City. That's that's not easy. Uh, that is not an easy place to live in. I don't know how I did it, honestly. And that's, it's such a like cool inspiration uh, for like us and also like the listeners out there. But like, what would you say? Um, what you've learned from the beginning to now you are like, what's like the stuff that you write to your younger self? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a tough question because when I think back on my younger self, especially when I first moved to New York, the first like three years of living there, I, I mean, I worked my ass off. I can't even think of a time where I just was like relaxing. I was either at a job that paid me terribly or running to an audition or in, I was in college at the time too, so going to college and I had no money. I mean, I would, I had this thing where I found out on Venmo that you could overdraft your bank account. So I would pay my rent every month by overdrafting my bank account, $800. <laughs> but like my, my, a letter I would say to myself, and I know this might not really fit into the whole like financial help area, but I think it's so important for people who are younger and in that situation where you are just work. I worked harder than I ever did in my life when I was making the least amount of money I've ever made. Now I make the most money I've ever made. And I like literally just like lay around all day. <laughs> I really work. I work all the time. I'm always working. Um, but I think it's really important to know when you're that young and getting started and especially when you come from no money, it sucks. And But if you like are so dedicated and you keep working that eventually all of that work that you've put in will financially pay off in the end. I like, I swear to God, if you stick to one thing for years, <laughs> takes years, <laughs> but you will eventually have financial freedom with that industry or with that job or with that career that you choose. You just have to go, at least for me, I had to go through some really, really, really tough times. And I think it's really important. I, I would love to tell my younger self, like, don't beat yourself up so much. Like there would be so many nights where I would just be sobbing because I had like three cents in my bank account or like I'd be overdrafted and didn't know how I was going to eat that week. But it always works out and you always can find people that care for you and love for you and just keep working and it really, really will pay off one day. I promise. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah. And again, that is a big, 
um, feet, like, you know, just moving out that young and coming to just do and doing what you did. That is brilliant. So, uh, Julia, this question is for you. So you are or- originally from Paris, France. Um, shout out to PSG, my best soccer team. Uh, so, um, so your education and, and career accomplishments basically it speaks a lot of like your grit, like your, your, your determination. Um, so I guess my question would be, so having, having experienced like, or had an, an orientation to by both cultures, basically like, mm-hmm. like Europe and here in, um, in um, the US, what would you say? I mean, first of all, are you over the culture shock? And secondly, uh, what would you say um, was the biggest misalignment in terms of how people perceive money? And here, mm-hmm. uh, like just like, if you can get, get to share on them that basically so. Yeah, I can definitely do that. And before I do that, I'm going to take just another dump on the big banks, which is overdraft fees. If you're paying overdraft fees, go somewhere else because there are places that don't give you overdraft fees. And I just like, when I hear that, I want to tell like younger Katrina, like you don't deserve overdraft fees. Um, It's messed up. But guys, I have to say something because this is a hilarious story that I totally forgot about. I overdrafted my bank account for two years straight every time I paid my rent, right? And I always got the fees, whatever. One night, I'm in a joint Uber ride home from a bar to from Manhattan to Brooklyn. And I'm talking to this guy. It was like a joint Uber. I'm talking to this guy. He ends up being the owner <laughs> of Venmo. And I tell him... <laughs> how, what I was doing. I told him that every month I overdraft my bank account with Venmo because I could overdraft like as much as I needed pretty much. And he, he ended up being like, are you kidding me? I didn't know we allowed our company to do that. He was like, I got to call Tom in the morning. And next time I try to overdraft, it would not allow me. So I screwed myself over by telling the owner of Venmo that you could do that. So Anyways, sorry, Julia. No, <laughs> just forgot. That, I forgot about that crazy story. That is that is totally wild. But feels like a totally New York thing to happen, anyhow. So, but no overdraft fees. If a bank's charging you overdraft fees, you're out of there. Um, um, but your question around, you know, cultural shock. Am I over it? I think one of the hard things of you know being from one place and then growing up in a different place is you kind of don't belong in either place. Um, you know, I was too French for here and then you know i miss cultural references and things from living in the states back in france so then i you know wasn't quite french enough and so you know there's this constant tension um that exists my least favorite question is probably where are you from because i'm like oh gosh like do you have one minute or do you have 10 minutes like are we getting deep or am i just gonna say like from france but i live in texas um so Anyways, it's, it's, you know, it, it's difficult. And I think anyone who, you know, moved from another country um, to anywhere probably has a similar, um, had a similar experience. But in terms of, you know, kind of financial misalignments, I think one of the biggest things is in France, credit cards don't exist. The concept of credit does not exist, right? You, you're, it's debit cards only. You pay with the money that you have in your bank account. And so that's something, right, coming here of really having to learn, right? Like you need credit here, right? Like having credit impacts the loan rate, right, that you get, the mortgage rate that you get for a house, right? No credit, you get a really crappy mortgage. You have to pay private insurance on that mortgage, right? It's all of these terrible things that you don't actually know. And then in order to, 
you know, have to, in order to build up that credit, you have to get a credit card, which does this still this wild thing to me, which is, you know, you can buy things that you may or may not have the money for, which blows my mind as a concept of like, what? Like you just let people like buy things that they they can't actually afford. And then, you know, I get it for some situations, right? You have bigger purchases, things like that. But still to some degree, I'm like, you should save for that and then buy it when you can. Um, You know, there's emergencies, you know, I get that even short-term loans, I feel are better than a credit card because it makes you feel invincible and that's dangerous, right? Anytime you feel invincible, I'm like, there should be red flags going off um, somewhere. But yeah, I would say that that, you know, that's a really big thing is having to learn, right? How to, because credit is something you have to learn how to manage, right? So it's something that you can use to your advantage and doesn't get used against you, right? Because credit card debt is terrible, right? Those like that interest rate is horrid. It's, It's terrible. And so I think that's really something that, you know, I had to learn. I watched my family learn. Um, of just, you know, figuring out like, how do we navigate this? Like, what does it mean? And then, you know, it's also something then like my parents and I didn't really talk about it growing up because, you know, mm, and then there's also, you know, different expenses that you have to account for here that you don't have to account for in France, right? Healthcare. Healthcare is super expensive, right? You have to think about like, what insurance plan do I get? Do I go to the doctor? Do I not go to the doctor? Have I budgeted for the doctor, right? It's things that you forget about that you have to budget for and think about. Um, whereas, you know, you don't have to do that so much in, um, in France. And then, you know, you just have like different government regulations that, right. Like you have rent caps in Paris, right. You can, things can't be rented to a certain degree. Whereas, you know, um, I like, I live in New York and no one cares about rent caps there. Right. They're like, Oh no, like this, like, half of a shoebox with a bathroom downstairs, like, of course, that's $3,000. And you're like, what? But there's no one right to do anything about it. So I think also like having to realize that there's a lot of, you know, like you have to like live within those constraints that, um, you know, you don't have so much so um, over there. So there's definitely, you know, you got to learn a lot of things. Brilliant. Good answer. Good Uh, answer. Yeah. I I feel like Every time I say good answer, I always think of family feud because everybody's like, good answer. <laughs> but no, I, I really like that answer because um, you mentioned also the fact about like the credit card, you, you know, like you're doing a lot of plugs for our future episodes <laughs> and what we wanted to talk about eventually in the later episodes about, you know, just kind of playing the game here in America. It's like uh, there is like debt right and it's always considered as like this nasty old thing but then there's also good debt and like how do you take like the concept of leverage and then how do you do that and then take advantage of that and make more financial um opportunities for yourself right so you're talking about more on that later on later episodes yeah i I agree and i'll just sort of add to what you said so like like you i shared that experience so i was born in nigeria i moved to England at a young age so lived in England and moving here so to me having had that that fortune to have seen how money is perceived across three continents I'm like okay now I see how money works and stuff so I guess that's why this is such a passion for myself and you know obviously like you know we have the same idea to really break down money and really understand the concepts and stuff like that so I really do appreciate that you are able to um, share so thank you yeah yeah 
Okay, so now we're kind of like getting near the end of our show, but we wanted to add uh, some of the few fun uh, fun questions too. Um, so this is Dapper Dollar, so emphasis on the dapper. So sure. we wanted to ask both of you, uh, what is your tip or trick that you'd like to share uh, about a fashion sense that to our, our listeners? We'll start with you, Katrina. Oh, God. Uh <laughs> Okay, I do have something that I've I've really liked recently. Again, not an ad, not a sponsor. <laughs> I just really like this. Um, it's Stitch Fix. I don't know if you guys have heard of Stitch Fix at all, but it's like it's supposed to be like a personal shopper that like you give them all your sizes and what you like and your style. They're not like it's not like super creative clothing. I like very very loud prints and like oh like sometimes I look at what I'm wearing and I just actually scare myself because I just it's so much color all the time. <laughs> They don't have like crazy prints or anything, but they have really nice basic things. Um, and they send you a box every month, I think with like six or 10 items in it. And they're all like discounted because they're, they're maybe not like this year's trend or like this year's like hot item. They're probably like last year or the year before. But anyways, they send you a box of clothing. You get to pick whichever, all of them, none of them, one of them, five of them, doesn't matter. Um, but you get $20 off if you pick an item which I think is really cool. I usually pick one item out of my box and then that item is already discounted and then I get another $20 off of that. So I get like a really cool piece every month that's new and unique and usually costs me like $30. So that's kind of my like tip right now trick for maybe getting some things that you wouldn't normally get. I like that it kind of puts me out of my comfort zone. Like actually for me, it makes me go with more basic type items um, instead of getting such loud prints all the time. But um, yeah, it's got me like the coolest blazers I have. Actually, this is from Stitch Fix. Nice. Nice. Gorge, nice. gorge. Nice. Um, it's also really cool because it's like for it's like for your body size. So like you're never going to get anything in the box that doesn't fit you, which I know like is so annoying when you're shopping and you try to put, you know, like you'll go get like a medium somewhere and it doesn't fit like every other medium at every other store, which is very annoying. Um but yeah, it feels like it's for you and highly recommend not a sponsor, but <laughs> check it out. <laughs> and, you know, for me, one, I, so I did say that I like don't tend to play the stock market except for actually stitch things. I do have stocks that I personally invested um, in, in there. They're not doing great right now. I got to say, but there's a really good Harvard okay. business. <laughs> Or to <laughs> review on them. So, you know, you know, that's funny. I just got my stitch fix today and I was like, I wonder if this company is doing well. I feel like they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Their stock would say no, but generally, because of sustainability, I think like, you know, getting like clothes, minimalizing it, I think it might have a, another turn. Um, but that's my hope for the money that I invested. Um, so, I'm going to stay optimistic. <laughs> Um, I think for me, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm French, I'm from Paris. I love fashion, right? Like it's a way of life truly. Um, but I think there's something, okay. I have two things. The first thing is you can pull it off, right? Like you are the one who decides if you can pull something off or not, not anybody else. So I want to say that just very clearly, right? You want, you think something's kind of crazy and you're like, oh, should I? Yes, you should. And you can. Um, that's how trends start. 
Um, but then I think for me, I'm like really into accessorizing right now. You can't really tell from what I'm wearing um, today, but you know, um, fun like clip earrings that you can like put on for part of the day and then take off. Um, in in France, we wear a lot of what's called a foulard, which is like a really thin like silk scarf kind of thing, but it's, you know, a lot smaller. You know, you roll it up, you can wear it around your neck, then you can change it and right, put it in your hair. Um, you can wear it around your wrist as a fun bracelet. And I love like things that are modular throughout the day. Um, so I think that's a fun tip, you know, especially depending on how maybe you're feeling, you know, you're feeling really good in the morning, you wear your clips, you take them off, you have your foulard in the afternoon, then, you know, at nighttime, you turn it into a bracelet and, you know, just really being modular with, um, with my accessories. So my, my tip, um, what I've been really, you know, rocking these, um, this month. I like Those that. are awesome tips. Yeah, 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 yeah both of them. Yeah, and yeah. Even like the accessory one. I feel like you're big on the accessory. Like I've recently gotten into the accessory game. Yeah. Just like I'm big on just muted colors, just plain. But then af after you add that little accessory piece, it just kind of like spruces up that that outfit look. You know, like what about you? I mean, I feel maybe uh, having lived in London, that's why I get to, I picked up my my fashion sense. Or yes, I think. Yes, I have been big on, I think I do more like, you know, a bracelet and like a nice chain. And well, I think in the end, it's just how the look comes together because not everyone can pull off that look. Sometimes you can wear it right and you just look like you're, you're just clanking like jewelry everywhere. <laughs> but if you get to pull it off well, and it kind of, it kind of speaks to your essence too as well. So yeah, yeah I yeah. agree. And I mean, I can speak for George. George is the most dapper person. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he's always got the cool accessories. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, awesome. cool, cool. Thank awesome. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that, that was pretty much it. Like, if that's that's pretty much our show, we, we always provide, uh, try to interview as many people as we can with talking about personal finance. But not only that, we like to have that fun factor of, talking about fa uh, fashion because that's kind of like both of our, our passions um always like being mindful about your money but always want to look good when you're spending exactly. your money so. <laughs> exactly i think that's the most important part but just to kind of pivot to uh because one, one thing we also want to do is provide our guests the platform to like get to share on on, on their own information so i know uh julia for example you um, do have a small business uh so so Feel, feel free to take um, the time to like shout out, give us your ideal social media handles and so everyone can know where to reach you basically. So, Yeah, um, well, just, you know, my very quick pitch, um, you know, I hand make greeting cards mostly because I would go to the store and they always just didn't look quite right to me. And also my cards are always all blank on the inside because there's nothing worse than finding a card that you really like. And then you open it and you're like, why does it say that in there? Like what? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, or like, no. And I find myself just scratching off like the inside and being like, I didn't like what this said. So I'm writing something else. Um, so, you know, it's really a creative outlet for me. Um, everything's done by hand, you know? Um, so yeah. If you're, and there's something really special about, you know, giving someone a card, right? Gestures don't always have to be big and cards are something that I feel fit in a lot of budgets and there's nothing, I feel like, you know, you should always have, you know, sharing how you're feeling, thanking someone as part of your, your budget just generally. Um, so you can find me, um, on Instagram at life adventure cards for my small business specifically. And then, um, on my website at juliettsev.com, there's a, 
a link to my Etsy that's there. Um, and I also love doing pop-up um, shops too around, you know, different places when, when I can. So find me there. And then also um, as an aside, um, I love everything research and everything finance. So if you want to connect professionally as well, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn with my first and last name too. Um, yeah, I have uh, a following uh, for, I mostly make comedy videos. So if you are into laughing, <laughs> uh, having a good time, and you can follow me over there. Um, I'm not Katrina with two A's at the end on all socials. And then if you're ever looking for a producer or director, you can get me on my, on my website. It's Katrina-Nafasi.com. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Great, great. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Finally, to the listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, it would really help us out if you can leave us an honest five-star review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Also, it will be awesome if you can share this episode with your family and friends. That would help gain traction for this episode and our channel. And finally, don't forget to look good, feel good, and do good. See you at the next episode. Bye, y'all.